He's not really interested in our origins. What he is mostly concerned about and what every single person, righteous or wicked, wheat or tear, will be judged on is on their actions, on their works. The work that changes everything, the action that can open eternity for us is faith. By making the decision, the choice to believe and receive Christ. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be discussing the wheat and the tares. The Lord used the natural things of life to help explain spiritual principles, so we could draw parallels between the physical world and the spiritual realm. One thing concerning the scriptures is that God has compiled His Word divinely, so it can be taken as His complete counsel to man. We always need to look at His Word as a whole rather than by bits and pieces, and we need to study the Word in its entirety to avoid creating contradiction. Today's message is inspired on Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, and verses 36 to 43. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Blessed and heavenly Father, hallowed and glorified and exalted be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven, O Lord, O God. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. You who were, who are, and who will be for all eternity. Lord God Almighty. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray humbly that you please forgive all of my sins, all of my wrongs, O Lord. Please, O Lord, look always upon us, on your mercy and in your grace. Heavenly Father, Holy God, I pray for your guidance. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to have ready hearts and minds to listen, Lord God, that it may be your ministering to us, O Lord. Help us, O Lord, to be sensitive to your will and to your ways. Help us, O Lord, to be able to take in your word as it needs to be taken in. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I give you thanks and I praise you. Amen. Today's key passage reading is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 to 30 and 36 to 43. This is the word of the Lord. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? And he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. 
Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. If a person read this passage as a standalone and neglected to take the Bible and its message as a whole, they would be led to believe that we are predestined and that everyone's path is set and that all we have to do is go through preset motions, if you will, and that in time, everyone's identity will be revealed. But praise be to God that things are not set that way. And that will become very apparent to us in our favor as we look into this passage through the lens of the scriptures as a whole, because the word of God does not contradict itself. Grace should become quite apparent and appreciated if we really understand what it is and how God and his goodness has dispensed it. Now, why are both the wheat and the tare allowed to grow together? And there are several answers. The first and main answer is that God as the creator, he is, wants everything to have the chance to take its course, to see what truly happens over time, because our lives are not set in stone, if you will. The creator wants to see its creation in action, for its purpose to be fulfilled. As we have seen before, there is this thing called free will that allows for every single person to decide their future, ultimately to choose where they want to spend eternity. And that opportunity was made wide open through the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross is something terrible, yet magnificent at the same time. It was a terrible sacrifice where God the Son died horribly, going through almost unexplainable pain and agony. Yet despite its awful occurrence, there was a majesty, a power that was unleashed that would change the course for all humanity. And that through his sacrifice, man's hellbound destiny was broken forever. That's why, again, thank God that we have choice and that our destination is not set despite our origins. And so throughout all of this, God doesn't want for the weak to lose the opportunity to fulfill its purpose through time. And at the same time, God gives the tear or the wicked the opportunity to change. The cross of Jesus Christ is what gives the weed or the righteous the opportunity for salvation. And at the same time, the cross of Jesus Christ is what gives the tares or the wicked, the sons of the wicked one, the opportunity to abandon their wickedness and to turn to the Lord despite their origin. Does that mean that the wicked can change their course, their very nature, their origin? And the answer is a resounding yes. And here is where we see God's mercy and grace and love in their full splendor, in all of their radiance. God is truly good. God's mercy and grace is quite impossible to comprehend, especially if you understand the mechanics of the universe. But again, blessed be the Lord God Almighty that He is merciful and gracious beyond measure, way beyond our understanding. The first place that we look at this opportunity to switch sides, if you will, is in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 7 to 11, where it says this, so you son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, 
and he does not turn from his way. He shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us and we pine away in them, how can we live then? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Here is something very important to understand. If there ever was an elected or chosen group in the Bible, we would have to say that it would be Israel. The Gentiles, those of us that are outside of the true lineage of Israel, are not part of that chosen group of people. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So for instance, no matter how much so-called messianics try to trace their lineage back to Israelic roots to prove that they are, were part of Israel, they're only revealing more that they are part of those from Israel that did not keep their lineage clean, that they are actually part of the fall of those that intermixed with the lost, with paganism. There is no glory in that. So we saw in the passage in Ezekiel chapter 33 that God calls wicked people within Israel itself, within his so-called chosen people or his elect. He makes a very distinct and direct call for the wicked to change. We see incredible grace in this passage. And so, can the wicked change? Of course. They're called to change in this passage, to turn from their evil ways, to live by living behind their transgressions and sins. Here is something that many confuse and are not clear about. Was grace introduced to the world before or after Jesus Christ? If we truly understand what grace really is and what allows for it to be possible, we would understand that God's grace has always been there, even before the cross of Jesus Christ. Grace is only made possible through faith. And we see that way before the Lord came to this earth. We see that even before the writing of the law in Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Moses, and then after the law is written in Joshua and David and the prophets and so on. Faith is what makes grace possible. And faith is what makes God's grace possible in our lives even today. We find God's grace through faith. And so what did happen at the cross, especially if there was grace before the event of the cross took place? And the answer is that the cross of Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of God's grace, where God, through the breaking of the flesh and the shedding of the blood of his only begotten son, changed all of mankind's hellbound course into his kingdom to all of those, of course, who adopt faith in Christ so they too can find grace. Before the cross, no one went to heaven, not even those who people would have thought that were chosen or elected. There was a place called Abraham's bosom in hell, like a paradise compartment within the depths of hell. Jesus gave us a glimpse of that place when he told the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Before Jesus Christ dying on the cross, 
people could not enter God's kingdom. Moses and Elijah, for instance, were waiting somewhere for the Lord to come so they could have entrance into God's kingdom. That's why they were with the Lord when the Lord was transfigured into his spiritual presence. This is what everyone gains through faith, through God's grace. And so we learn through the scriptures that it can actually go both ways, that the wicked can turn from their wickedness, but unfortunately, the righteous could also lose their way and become wicked. This is probably the clearest view we have in the scriptures to understand free will, and there is nothing set at an individual level. In Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 20 to 28, it says this, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns from all of his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed because of them he shall die. Yet you say, the weight of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, O Israel, is it not my way which is fair and your ways which are not fair? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. And so it is quite clear that there is choice. There is free will for both the righteous and the wicked, that their eternity does not rest on their origin, but rather on the choices they make as time progresses, on the faith they exhibit through their actions, through their works. For both the wicked and the righteous, it's a matter of whether or not they choose to have faith in God and that their works will show that faith. In God's eyes, the Lord is not really concerned about our origin. He is more concerned over our decision, over what we do while we are here, and He gives the opportunity for things to unfold over time. That is God's mercy. Some might say it is impossible for something that has an evil origin for it to have the ability to change its origin. But the Lord said this, for instance, in Matthew chapter 19, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are are possible. Nothing is impossible for the Lord. People can change. We can all be transformed, change, be made new. 
All that matters is if we use our free will to decide for the Lord or not, no matter what our origin is. The Bible is quite clear in that we are all together in this, both the righteous and the wicked. And for those of us that choose to be righteous, he exhorts us to abide, to remain steadfast in our decision to be righteous so that we can help change those around us, the tares that surround us. In Jeremiah chapter 15, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vile, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you, but you must not return to them. In Romans chapter 12, verse 21, it also says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is something we need to consider. Those of us that are in Christ now, must always remember that we all started as something else, especially those of us that are Gentiles, those of us that did not belong legitimately to God's chosen people. Our physical roots are not from Abraham. But if we choose to have faith in Christ, like Abraham's faith, we can be transformed by and through the grace of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, it tells us this, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of their flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. When we understand our origin of where we actually came from, our original state, and what God has chosen to do for us out of the goodness of his heart, because he has no obligation with anyone, his mercy Grace and love should become quite evident. The measure of it all is quite hard to imagine. This is why God is truly good. And Psalm chapter 51 verse 5 tells us more about our start where even King David expressed this. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Not a single person in this world has really anything to be proud of. There can be no pride in us. Because the reality is, is that every single one of us was born in sin without exception. But yet God's love is exhibited in that he loves us despite our fallen and corrupt state, despite our beginning. And he wants everyone to be saved. That is his desire. That is his heart. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And so when the word says all men, 
That means that there are no exceptions. There are no people that are irredeemable before the eyes of the Lord. Both the righteous and the wicked are all in the same level playing field, if you will. The only question that stands before the Lord and what ultimately determines our outcome is if we choose to receive Christ and abide in that faith by doing our Heavenly Father's will, no matter what happens, no matter what the cost. For the Lord said this also in John chapter 15, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Who goes through that? The tares. Doesn't it sound familiar? And so it is not just about a one-time decision and that's it. It's about remaining, about abiding and doing the Father's will day in and day out. God truly cares about what we do with the opportunity he gives us. That's why these so-called doctrines or teachings that circulate around that differ from what the Bible says are unacceptable because everything bears on choice and what we choose to do because everything is subject to love. The number one principle in love is God and that God is love and love is never forced. There is always free will in love. There is the freedom to either choose or not choose for the Lord. There is either the choice of wanting to stop being wicked as well as the decision for the righteous to stop being righteous. In other words, if a person chooses to leave the faith to stop being righteous, that is their decision and God will not force them to stay. He will provide circumstances and promptings through the Holy Spirit to help a person reconsider their ways but he is not going to force them to do something they don't want to do. The spirit can unfortunately be quenched when a person chooses to live a lifestyle of sin, to depart from faith. But at the same time, a person that is deep in sin can choose to respond to God's love and eternal call to repentance and change his or her ways so that he can find eternal life through Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus said, if anyone, no exceptions, desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This is the practical reason for why we must deny ourselves, deny our origin, deny our fallen state, deny ultimately the sin that is in our life, to repent and convert with all of our hearts and follow him daily as much as possible. For Jesus also said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. This is why also this teaching that says that works do not matter after coming to Christ is also very wrong and unacceptable. Doing the Father's will directly implies that we must do. There must be action. There must be things that God can point to that represent what he wants us to do, starting with faith. Faith implies action, a decision. He doesn't care where we came from and where we were, but he certainly cares about what we do and why we do what we do. 
This is the practical reason for why it is necessary for Jesus to be our Lord, the one that governs in our heart. We can't depend on ourselves. We do not have the ability within ourselves to do things because remember, we are fighting against our nature, our origin. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, by effectively giving over our life to him and by letting him guide us through the Holy Spirit, we are able to do the Father's will, which starts by faith, by choosing to believe in him and choosing to believe everything he says and doing his will based on that faith, on that belief. The main thing that relies solely on us is our decision to change the intent of our heart when we are confronted with God's truth. That's the only thing that really matters, and that is solely dependent on us. For it is also written, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. We will ultimately be judged by our heart, by where we allow our heart to be at. But by the grace of God, our heart can be changed, transformed, and made new through the power of the Holy Spirit. All things can be made new through the Lord Jesus Christ for those that choose to receive him and become one with him and choose to continue to follow him faithfully throughout the course of their physical existence here and now. For it is written, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. No one is born being a child of God, but everyone, as many as receive him and believe in his name, can be a child of God forever, if they abide in that faith out of their own free will. His love, grace, and mercy are truly amazing. God is not interested in how we started, but rather on how we finish. That is where God's concern is. He's not really interested in our origins. What he is mostly concerned about and what every single person, righteous or wicked, wheat or tare, will be judged on is on their actions, on their works. The work that changes everything, the action that can open eternity for us is faith by making the decision, the choice to believe and receive Christ. That is the ultimate choice. And that has always been, even before the fall of man. God made man, Adam and Eve, with the right to free will. That's why they fell, because they chose not to believe what God had told them. They chose to believe more the serpent. Why did that happen? The Bible can only explain iniquity as a mystery. A mystery does not imply that there is no explanation but rather that something is unknown to someone, but there is an explanation. The reason for why sin is allowed to exist in the universe is so that there can be choice. God did not make man in general to be a robot or a programmed being with predetermined settings. God made man out of love because God is love. But in order for there to be love, there must always be choice. Love is choice. God made man so that man could choose out of their own free will to love God. God is love and God loves and also God wants to be loved. It's as simple as that. So simple that even a child can understand. So the Lord even allows for the wicked to exist so that the wicked could be touched by God's love. And so the wicked could also learn how to correspond to God's love. 
Nothing happens without God say so. God allows for the devil to sow the wicked, the tares in the midst of the wheat, the righteous, to test the righteous and to give the wicked the opportunity to turn from their evil ways. Why? All out of love. God plants the righteous and allows for the wicked to be planted because in his deep and infinite heart, he loves both. And he wants for both to love him, to choose for him, to be able to, within themselves, to choose for him and not for sin. In order for there to be a choice, there must be an almost equal and opposing side. I have to say almost equal because there is no way that Satan and sin are equal to God in any kind of way. They are competition and yes, fierce competition. But when you understand who God is, there is really no competition. He is very hard to describe. We see this interchange in Exodus, for instance, between God and Moses, where it says, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God is the I am, the one who was, who is, and who is to come, the eternal one. There is none like the Lord. And so, what will you decide? Will you stay the course of being evil and wicked, being a person that doesn't have any kind of real life in them? without any hope for salvation because you choose to not believe in the Lord, but rather live for sin and death? Or will you change the course of your existence and be made free from your sinful origins through the faith in Christ by repenting and turning away from all of your sins by denying yourself and following the Lord Jesus Christ earnestly so that you can live forever, so you can attain immortality? There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through Him. If you have never made that decision for Christ, I challenge you today to make that decision and abide in that decision forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, blessing and honor and glory be to you. Lord, you are truly good and every kind of way imaginable. Lord, when we just begin to understand your grace and your mercy and your love, Lord, they are so deep. They are so incredible. They are so amazing, Lord God. You've given us access to so much, Lord God, despite of who we are and where we came from. Thank you, O Lord, for your love. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because rather than treating us as we deserve to be treated because of our sins, you treat us with love. And you open your arms wide, ready to receive us, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, to begin to learn who you are and what you've done for us. To be sensitive to you, Lord God to value everything that you've done for us. Help us, O oh Lord, to learn how to love you as you deserve to be loved. Heavenly Father, to you be all the honor and glory and praise and majesty forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus, 
Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.